Welcome to the Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Our mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. My name is James, and I'm going to be your host today. Hello, welcome to the Tesseract Podcast. I'm a Senior Airman James Durfler, and with me on the show today is Colonel Barry Flack with the 436 uh, Mission Generation Group here at Dover. Colonel Flack, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks, James. Great to have you here. So could you, uh, this is kind of what we do for every guest here, uh, could you run me through a little bit of kind of how you got to this spot that you're in currently being a Mission Generation Group Commander? Yeah, I think luck and timing really, really is uh, the two words I can can kind of think of. You know, uh, uh, Dover is a unique place, number one. I've uh, got an amazing, amazing mission set here of uh, airlift, maintenance, uh, being a logistics hub, uh, being a power projection platform on the East Coast. My background as a logistics readiness officer kind of lends to that. And uh, so very lucky uh, a few years back through the command screening board to, to get selected to come here to Dover uh, back in 2021. And uh, absolutely the best job I've ever had in the Air Force, a great airman, great mission. Uh, so uh, when we got here, uh, they were asked, they asked us to say, hey, take a look at this mission generation group concept uh, where we are trying to create synergy amongst logistics and maintenance to get after persistent mission generation to see if we guys should do it a little bit better and cleaner on launching, recovering airplanes, moving people and things. So uh, kind of luck and timing, but really just being here and being with an amazing team of airmen uh, across the board has just been, uh, been a blessing. It's been awesome to be here at Dover to do this test on behalf of our Air Mobility Command. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, could you speak a little bit to the difference between a, a mission generation group and then, you know, the alternative? Yeah. So when you look at the core structure, uh, specifically in our mobility command, you've know, got maintenance group constructs uh, at all the different airlift wings, our mobility wings. Uh, if you go back in time, you look at the joint basing uh, when this happened uh, a number of years ago, uh, they looked at how do we best uh, capitalize on those forces and those airmen that actually truly lend itself to a central mission set of, of operating and, and launching airplanes from the flight line and moving people and cargo. Uh, so an air mobility command is very unique. Uh, when you look at the five uh, strategic aerial port squadrons uh, that are in the in the command, you look at Travis, you look at McCord, you look at Dover, you look at uh, Charleston and McGuire, uh, you have maintenance group constructs, but it has an aerial port squadron that's in that, that organization. Uh, what we're trying to do here at Dover uh, is kind of change the paradigm on where does the logistics readiness squadron sit uh, as it relates to launching airplanes, fleet health, uh, supply chain management, uh, all things as logisticians and maintenance officers that we hold near and dear to our, our, our hearts. Uh, so uh, we've created an opportunity here at Dover on behalf of Air Mobility Command to test the concept of bringing logistics readiness squadron out of the mission support group into the maintenance, uh, maintenance group construct and form what we call a mission generation group. Uh, now, we are not a maintenance group. We are a mission generation group with maintenance activities. Uh, logistics activities and airport activities. Uh, so it's not one and the same uh, as, as you look at, at a Travis, for instance, where they just have uh, aerial port and they've got maintenance activities. So a little bit different, but our mission set's different. Uh, and uh, looking forward to talking a little bit about why we're doing this uh, on the follow-on questions. Sure. Yeah. That uh, you, you're, you're speaking my language, one, because I come from a uh, an FGS where we had the 
decentralized material support yeah. in, in the shop there. Absolutely. Um, but then also because our, our you know, the test rack team sits, sits in A4L, yeah. which is logistics and maintenance. So Absolutely. this idea of combining them into one common bigger goal and, and working together instead of uh, kind of quibbling over uh, pointing fingers or what have you, which I'm yeah, that's a great, great point. So let me, let me talk about that finger pointing thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we, we, as maintenance and logistics, we tend to not understand each other's business sets. And uh, it's easier to point a finger not understanding why. Uh, case in point, logistics would look at maintenance and say, I don't understand why they're doing that. Or conversely, why maintenance would look at logistics, specifically supply, and why, where are my parts? Why can't we get parts? Uh, so what we've built here at Dover is an opportunity for cross-collaboration uh, and understanding and, and uh, in a better environment where we could actually talk with each other, uh, not at each other. And we're starting to see the benefits of that uh, for for betterment of understanding across the two XAFSCs and and across the two one XAFSCs. Uh, so very excited to see the the potential what the, this group is bringing to bear uh, in the future. Uh, I think the future is bright uh, uh, if we do things right. Uh, you know, for the outset of the tests that we do have here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and, and I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of kinks to work out, but figuring it out well the kinks are there i mean whenever you do organizational restructure uh because a lot of things have to do with cultural cultural isms uh we're used to operating in silos and now what we're trying to do is break those uh, break those silos to create a uh, mission generator mindset uh, where we're all thinking and doing uh together versus operating separately but trying to get after the same thing if that makes any sense Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, another thing the test rag team does, we do theory of constraints implementation and you talk about this bigger goal and moving towards it. So yeah. uh, Once again, speak in my language. uh, (laughs) Exactly. Um, I would like to kind of focus on, on, you brought it up there. uh, Anytime you're implementing organizational change, um, there's a lot of downstream effects that you don't know, but there's usually some good reasons what goes into it. Yeah. Um, could you speak to any other time in your career that you kind of oversaw some significant organizational change underway? Uh, I would say it's hard to say that I've seen or been involved with organizational change. Now, uh, I've, I've been in organizations where the cultures were not meshed in a way that we need to. I mean, case in point, uh, when you look at, uh, you know, aerial port squadrons and maintenance squadrons, now we look at things in a different, different view uh, you know, Aerial Port has a wide swath uh, and a wider aperture of how they do their mission sets. So the airmen have a lot uh, more latitude to do things uh, to actually move cargo and things. So when you look at maintenance, uh, very tech order driven, right? Very black and white. Uh, so a little bit different way with how we approach uh, to, to make sure that we can produce an aircraft that's safe and reliable for crews. Uh, so what we're trying to do here uh, with this test, uh, you know, is, is to try to blend the the best of all of that into one organization. Um, and uh, so it's it's hard to answer your question. This is the first real organizational change that I have been a part of. Uh, but it's been interesting over 25 years. I've been in the Air Force for 25 years. There's been a lot of different organizational changes that the Air Force has done. Right. I mean, you just brought up a great point about the fighter generation squadrons. Uh, that's a recent uh, recent change the Air Force has come, uh, come to bear with. Uh, now we're looking at, uh, you know, air staff modeling, our four gen, our force generation models that we're doing. Uh, so there's a lot of change in our Air Force. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of folks taking a hard look at how we can be better set uh, to meet the demands of uh, the Indo-Pacific, uh, specifically uh, China as a pacing threat. Uh, and how can we be better set to actually generate mission 
to sustain our airplanes and our crews and our and our airmen who are out in the fight. Um, so, uh, long answer to your your very very short question, um, but uh, this is the first real organizational change that I have been a part of personally uh, on, on behalf of our military command to build something new. That's awesome. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I guess that's a good good opportunity to be grateful for then to to oversee something like this. That's an amazing team here. It's it's uh, it's easy to brag on the airmen at Dover. Sure, they, they truly care and they're impactful and doing a gr- lot of great things on behalf of our country. Uh, one doesn't have to look back too far. Just look at February of last year. You know when Russia crossed the line in Ukraine, uh, and uh, our aerial port, the super port here at uh, Dover Air Force Base, has been central. Uh, to a lot of great, uh, you know, lethal, non-lethal aid going to Eastern Europe to ensure Ukraine Ukrainians have O, uh, and they can actually uh, have a fighter's and puncher's chance against Russia. Uh, our ability to, to create opportunities with our C-17s and C-5s across the globe uh, are second to none. Um, so to be a, be a part of this organization, uh, just being in an airlift wing, uh, to be a part of the, the Mission Generation Group and seeing our airmen execute their mission every day is awe-inspiring. Yeah, it's really, really neat to see our airmen execute daily. Um, but uh, the organizational change that's ongoing at the same time uh, has been has been a fun adventure, uh, and I think we are going to be better for it uh, in how we look at persistent mission, mission generation in the future. Um, and our airmen are, are ready for that challenge. I'd like to pull on a few threads that you brought up yeah. there. Um, so... You mentioned that the maintenance is kind of uh, tech order driven, meaning there's not as much room for discretion for a, a fly line maintainer when he's doing his job. Whereas the, the aeroport squadron, which used to be kind of a separate entity, yeah. um, or a more separate entity, I should say, uh, they have not discretion is not the right word, but it's more uh, like a breadth or a, a latitude of ways to go about their, their business. Um, you're also talking about C5s here, an aging fleet, um, and you're talking about geopolitical pressures yeah. like like Russia. So uh, could you speak more to that melting pot of, of extreme factors and how your airmen have overcome in the aging fleet issues, whether it be a supply chain or kind of uh, working or, or you as a leader uh, taking maybe big steps in risk management? to kind of meet the mission without compromise? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, our C-5 is, is a wonderful airplane. Uh, let me just say that up front. And, uh, you know, uh, good old Fred likes to fly around. And it's a challenging airplane to maintain. It's a challenging airplane to sustain. It's a challenging airplane to, to, to resource to. Uh, it is an older airplane. It's big. Uh, it's gone through multiple modifications over the years. Uh, but couldn't be more proud of, of our uh, aircraft maintenance squadron here and our maintenance squadron in our LRS uh, for taking a look at sustainment, uh, doing things a little bit outside the outside the normal lens when you look at uh, normal supply maintenance relations uh, on trying to get uh, a little bit better set and how we can sustain and, and supply the jet. Um, but also, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the, the crews that we have here at Dover uh, and how we partnered with the 9th Airlift Squadron uh, in flying that jet across the globe. We're showing the capability of the airplane. In fact, we just had a couple airplanes in Mobility Guardian from our, our Mobility Command. One of our tails and one of Travis's tails was out in the Indo-Pacific and uh, did very well uh, in uh, in sustaining the fight out there. But uh, uh, to go back to your earlier question about the, the challenges with the C-5, it is a uh, it is a challenge in Air Mobility Command, Air Force Material Command, the Sustainment Center. A lot of folks are taking a hard look at how do we maintain this airplane. Uh, keep it viable, keep it sustainable over the years. 
uh, in the future. Um, and uh, there is a current initiative called the uh, Drive to 55, which is basically getting to 555 aircraft available, right? Percentage rate based on the number of aircraft we have in the fleet. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of people taking a hard look at how we can do things a little bit better whether it's from program depot maintenance to, to the sustainment enterprise from the supply chain operation wing to supplying us, supply chain management wing, uh, you name it, but also to the field level. We own a lot of that. How can we do better at producing our aircraft that are safe and reliable for our crews? Um, so proud to say that our, our team has taken uh, this, this initiative to get the C5 a little bit healthier uh, very seriously. Uh, we're doing some back to basics in our maintenance production uh, whether that's forms management, whether it's how we inter, 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 you know, inter, uh, engage with the crews uh, so they understand the, the health of the jet, uh, to how we uh, work with our in-route partners to ensure that we have trainer aircraft going out in the system so our in-route maintenance personnel uh, could uh, can have a little bit more time on the airplane. Because if we do actually uh, have to go into a fight, whether it's in Europe uh, or in the Pacific, we're going to need folks out that understand the airplane. Uh, but all that to say is there's a lot of a lot of really smart people taking a hard look at how we maintain and keep the C5 viable into the future. And uh, we're very proud to be a part of that, to be part of the solution set. That really just embodies the kind of like one team, one fight thing. Uh, the number of agencies and other organizations and is a lot. Yeah, is a, a, a lot. And uh, it is an absolute, you know. It's an amazing thing that these things are still flying at all. Yeah. Um, but much more so that uh, that they're like the backbone of our logistics, you know, and our mobility yeah, airlift well, enterprise. Say this, I think it's important that I highlight, you know, th these airplanes, uh, whether it's a C five or a C seventeen, or from your background, F thirty five. That these airplanes fly in the backs of the maintainers. We've got amazing folks doing hard work and very smart work to keep this airplane in the fight. Uh, against some very, you know, uh, challenging times when you think about it. And uh, so I, I'm very proud of our airmen uh, and I'm very proud of our maintainers here at Dover for keeping the C5 viable. Uh, they're doing wonderful work. Um, so uh, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, give a shout out to the maintainers out there. They, they do excellent work out there. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so your LRO background, and you mentioned all these different uh, kind of supply chain management, supply chain ops, the, the background to, to what actually keeps the uh, C5 program running in, in any airframe. Um, have you had any experience directly working with them? If so, could you speak to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got uh, one of my dearest friends is actually a supply chain operations group commander down at uh, Langley, uh, Colonel Jason Kalen, and we talk a lot about sustainment. Uh, and he, he, uh, he works more on the fighter side, but I've got a very good relationship with my counterpart, uh, in the heavy airplane world, uh, Colonel Ed Hogan, who's up at the supply chain operations group at Scott Air Force Base. Uh, and he's got us watered there that we liaison, uh, we liaise with daily on, uh, you know, my cap parts for airplanes. And, and, uh, they, they're the ones who are the central node of trying to get all the parts out in the system for, for our LRS to actually be able to manage our part support to our maintainers. Um, so uh, whenever I have the opportunity, I've been to Scott a few times over the past couple of years. Uh, we always make it a point to stop by the supply chain operations group, uh, specifically the supply chain operations squadron there and say thanks to their airmen uh, because they're mission generators just as much as a logistics readiness professional here or port dogs in the aerial port or our maintainers. Um, so it's hard, it's, it's, we wanna make sure that they feel part of our mission uh, and they see the benefits of what they do every day. 
to ensure that we've got the right part on the right shelf at the right time so we can actually fix those airplanes and get them in the air to, to deliver hope when we have to. Um, so I, I have a very good uh, relationship and I have a very good understanding of the supply chain system because I've got excellent partners and support network in the supply chain operation wing um, that uh, helps us maintain our jets with, with uh, much needed supply. That's awesome that uh, that you try to visit and bring them in uh, to make it feel as if they're a part of your mission or of your Just team. Important than than the maintainers and the port dogs and, and the uh, LRS folks here. Absolutely, they need to feel a part of that mission. So. Yeah, they don't get to see the mission as as directly. Absolutely, yeah, but that's why I think it's important we get out there and we message them and say thanks. I think that's the the most important thing we can do to make them feel a part of the mission. Sure. So the. Uh, the mission generation group construct is kind of consolidating existing things that were separated. Yes. So w- when you say that the uh, supply chain operations squadron or the the SCAL, the wing level or the group level, any level, um, what are the kind of either common sense or more in the know barriers to say combining them within an organism or an organization like the MGG? Right. What where what are the barriers to just reaching out laterally and including more, right? So, because you're all working towards a bigger goal ultimately. Yeah, yeah and I'll tell you, let me start at the field level and I'll go up. Perfect. One of the reasons we're doing the mission generation group concept in the test here is to, to flatten that communication chain, if you will, to the supply chain enterprise. When you think about uh, the, the, the construct with mission support group that has the LRS, you know, historically, uh, sometimes you don't have someone at the, the group commander level that understands logistics or supply chain. Uh, and what what sometimes would happen is it'd be like an up, over, and then out, if you know what I mean. Like my, the LRS would go to the group, the mission support group commander. They would talk to the, the 06, maybe at the maintenance group that understands a little bit about supply chain, and then they would go up, right? Uh, this way, we, uh, we actually have a cleaner line of communication uh, and, and command relation, if you will, with the, with the SCAL. Uh, having all logistics entities under one organization and one command. Uh, so we're starting to see benefit to that. Um, and that's one of the reasons we're we're combining all the logistics entities, uh, entities, all the maintenance entities under one organization is to try to flatten that communication up to the supply chain uh, so we can get faster results for our airmen so we can launch airplanes at a better better rate than maybe previously we could do, right? Uh, but you asked specifically about the SCOW, the SCOG, the SCOS. You know, there, there was a reason the Air Force made the decision to centralize some of those those entities into a supply chain uh, enterprise, if you will, to take a look across. Because what we're seeing now is we're seeing some sustainment concerns, uh, specifically on aging airframes. Uh, C5 is a great example. I see it every day. Uh, and our airmen maintain that jet uh, as best they can. Uh, but there's a reason the Air Force made a decision by by putting together the SCOW, the SCOG, the SCOS, the supply chain management wings, all those all those really key organizations. Hard to pronounce that one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Doesn't look like SCOW. Yeah. And, and it's because we do have, we need to have that focus on on the supply chain to ensure that we can keep our aging weapon systems viable in, in, in the fight. Uh, you know, the, the word right now is that we're not getting rid of the C-5s right now anytime soon. We're going to be flying that airplane for a long time. B-52s are going to be flying for a long time, right? Uh, the KC-135s are going to be around for a little bit. So we got some fairly old airframes that are going to have, they're going to need some love and care. A lot of that has to do with how well can we manage uh, from a sustainment standpoint. Um, so uh, I'm very comfortable with what the Air Force has done uh, as it relates to sustainment and, and taking a look at how we organize 
from a from an enterprise wide SCAO, SCOG, SCOS, et cetera, that lead into how we re, how they relate and how they build relationships with wing commanders uh, at at you know whether it's an airlift wing like us or myself, the mission generation group commander. Uh, so we can have those those deep dialogues on uh, on how we can keep weapon systems viable and and to keep our airmen, um, you know, uh, not grasping at straws trying to figure out how they're going to maintain a fleet. That that makes a lot of sense. In, in your answer, uh, conceptually, you're speaking to the fact that there is this there's a need for flat organizations, but at the same time, there is a need for specialization um, in, in this kind of hierarchy. And that's kind of the tension that organizations face, big organizations, right? So when you find a target of opportunity of when you can consolidate like what we're hoping the mission generation group turns out to be, that's like gold and you got to seize that. Just, yeah. And you know, the data is going to tell us if we're good or not. Right. And, um, we, we've over the last year and a half, well, gosh, just over a year now, it seemed, seems like yesterday we started this thing and we're well into our second year. Um, we're, we're testing some very key, uh, integrated approaches, uh, and seeing what the data tells us. Uh, whether our, our, our due infant maintenance rates go down, our order response times goes down, our, our uh, red ball, you know, uh, fixed rates get better uh, in 12-hour fix. I mean, there's a lot of key indicators that we're trying to measure uh, as it relates to supply chain and uh, our local supply chain and, and how well our, our fleet is doing. Uh, but but I do do I do think if we're taking a look at organizational constructs that are more functionally designed. Uh, what I mean by that is having two X, two, one X AFSCs under one roof. Uh, how can we, in, we look at how can we make things better uh, so we can actually have more unity of command and unity of purpose of mission generation. Um, I can't help but think we're going to be better because of the organizational construct because we've got all the right folks looking at the right things to get, get after airplane health and sustainment and generation. Um, so I'm excited to see what uh, the end of the two-year test brings us. Yeah, yeah. I would love to uh, get my hands on some of that. I have a data hobby, so well, know, I'd love to. Got it. <laughs> you know, being a maintainer, that all over. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. It's okay. Uh, uh, oh, yes. Uh, so the traditional kind of AMU or, or MXG kind of construct Um you hit on it, and once again, I just want to highlight it because it's very much like a theory of constraints thinking, which is awesome, um, that when you do consolidate this and put everyone under one shop, that you look at those kind of like maybe health of fleet metrics as an example, but yeah. something that points in the direction of directly towards sortie generation yep. as a goal for all shops, distributed, not local efficiencies. Yes. Now, one of the things is culture. Uh, it, part part of the reason we're doing this, one of the main, obviously the main reason is to see how much better we can be in mission generation, sustainment, those kinds of things. But one of the second order effects of what we're doing is is the culture. How how are we building all airmen? Depart, did, doesn't matter what your AFSC is. Have all airmen centrally focused on the flight line, right? Um, and that's one of the the second order effects of what this this test is uh, is looking at is how close do airmen feel whether you're a ground transportation, you know, expert or, or a POL fuel person or a port dog, uh, you name it, maintainer, uh, how closely tied do they feel to the mission set, which our center of gravity here is the flight line. Uh, our goal is to make sure every airman in this group feels that they're a mission generator. Uh, 
obviously they're going to want to be a supply person. They want to be a, a 2T2, an air trans expert, right? I'm a 2-1R by trade, secondary 2-1A aircraft maintenance. Um, but we are really trying to drive that culture and in, in, in how we talk and how we speak and how we think as mission generators, where everyone is fully bought in and everyone's tied into that mission of launching airplanes so we can deliver across the globe. And uh, I'm very comfortable in saying, if you're able to walk out of here and you walk into our, our DMS, or if you walk into ground transportation, you walk into base supply, you walk into the aerial port squadron, you walk into the aircraft maintenance squadrons, or you walk into our ISO dock and maintenance squadron, everyone will tell you they're mission generator. Uh, and that starts with, uh, because we've got excellent leaders in this, this group, our squadron commanders are amazing, our chiefs are amazing. Uh, and we constantly, constantly, constantly uh, talk to the airmen about how important they are and what their impact is to our mission as mission generators. Uh, so the buy-in is there. Now we just have to see what the data tells us at the end of the test. Absolutely. And, and the data is very important. Um, I, I think that there's probably some intangibles that you won't be able to capture, yeah. but you'd want to capture about how people feel about specifically being mission generators and what they learned, what they want out of their way to learn and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And, and you would, I'm going to, I'm going to pull down that on that one a little. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were looking at the culture fairly heavily. Now that's not going to change or that's not going to decide whether this uh, organizational construct becomes, uh, uh, you know, a true air force, you know, organization of record. Uh, but culture is important, right? And um, we're measuring that uh, through many different means. And in fact, we just had a, a doctor from BYU come out about a month and a half ago, and, and uh, he's he's going to come back in the spring again. Uh, and he, he did interviews with airmen uh, from all the different mission sets, all the different squadrons within within our mission generation group and ask very pointed questions about how they see things, how they feel things. Uh, by and large, the, uh, the feedback was, was very good. Um, there are some, some outliers there that, you know, we still have a little bit of work. You're never going to get hundred uh, percent. But uh, overall, the tenor was, was overly positive of Airmen feeling more tied to the mission here at Dover, specifically our mission uh, to, to, you know, to launch, recover airplanes and move people and things. Um, so, uh, we're going to continue to measure culture because we think that's important and, um, because we do want airmen to feel more tied to the mission. And I, I think we're getting there, uh, with what we're doing with this group construct, the form and function of this group is really driving that cultural change of focusing on mission generation writ large across a large swath of airmen. And we've got 2,200 airmen in this group. Uh, it's a lot, uh, but they feel tied to the mission. I'm very comfortable in saying that. That's awesome. That is a lot of airmen too. That is, a. uh, a different kind of culture shift when you're trying to affect 2,200 people's day yeah, jobs. Yeah, here's this again, and, and let me let me pull the, I, this is a great conversation. So logistics okay. squadron being in the mission support group, right? If viable, base operating support is obviously something that's very important. We take that important too. We still have some boss responsibilities from logistics or the squadron, uh, you know, uh, perspective as well as uh, some of the aerial port with traffic management, right? We, we do have some of those boss entities that we still have to maintain. Um, so it was a heavy lift uh, to the LRS coming over from a, uh, uh, more of a base operating support entity, which is the mission support group to a, uh, really an organization that's focused on the flight line to launch airplanes, uh, and then move cargo. And, uh, uh, it, it took a little bit of time to, to, to get everyone kind of marching in the same, same team, uh, but couldn't be more impressed with how the logistics right now squadron is, is, uh, embraced the opportunity. Of, of being a part of this organization. I'm very proud of, of that unit uh, for embracing the opportunities we have in front of us. I have a couple responses to that. First one is as a, as a five level crew chief, uh, 
it was just outside of, of my capacity for thought to understand that like the LRS existed for anything other than the flight line. Cause it was, you know, my only interface with them was walking in there and throwing some work on their, <laughs> on their plate yeah. in some capacity. Think of the rest of the base, base support mission. Uh, hard for me to kind of like place in my mental model of a flight line. Uh, the other thing is that uh, you said a uh, year and a half that this has uh, been just over a year. Just yeah. over a year. We started in June of last year. Okay. So by a, a lot of Air Force change uh, uh, time scale, that's over, it's overnight between when it started and right now, right? And, and the the big thing about that is that uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would guess that uh, a hefty majority of the folks that were here when it started are still here. Agree, right? Yeah. So, a, a big challenge that I see coming up for you all is to um, carry the culture forward. Yeah. Is there anything specific that you're doing to kind of posture yourselves for the next group coming in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you're right. Change is hard, uh, and I'm gonna lead in with this. You know, we we took a crawl, walk, run approach. Um. And, you know, I'm comfortable in saying we're in the uh, the jog mode between walk and run. Uh, the crawl was by design because uh, bringing a uh, whole squadron of, of over 400 airmen out of one group, putting them in another, and then trying to say, hey, let's execute. Uh, we were we, we started a little bit slower in that because we didn't want to spook the herd, so to speak, right? Because we still have a mission to do here at Dover. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we're taking care of airmen number one. Uh, so we did a crawl, walk, or run approach to to this this test. Um, so what we've done is through the form and function of the group is we've got a lot of integration projects that we have uh, put together. Uh, the way we run our morning pr old production meeting, I think you know what I'm talking about, the old production meeting, we don't call it that anymore. We call it the mission generation meeting. Uh, everybody has a seat at the table from all the DOs, from all the squadrons are at the table. So we've got aerial port, we've got the logistics training squadron DOs, and we've got the Usually the AMU OICs uh, from both the C-17C5s and obviously we've got our maintenance squadron. Uh, but we do that by design uh, to have leaders at the table uh, that are deciders. Uh, that's one one great example of how we run and it's changed the form and function of how we do this group. Secondly, we do a, a meeting every quarter called the Repair Network Enterprise Program. Uh, really, how do we how does maintenance and in, in supply integrate and how can we positively impact certain things such as uh, you know our, our base operating stock levels, uh, how do we look at diffums? How do we look at uh, the, our drop nines and drop sixes, those kinds of things? And how can we do things a little bit better? Um, how we actually look at ourselves from a quality assurance pr uh, standpoint. Uh, we've combined all the quality assurance entities from logistics, readiness, QA, and the air transportation standardization evaluation program with our maintenance QA uh, as far as how we look at things um, from a mission generation approach. Uh, so we measure ourselves every quarter. We take a look at all the all the inspections to see what what things can we make ourselves a little bit better. Uh, then we also look at things uh, you know compliance wise uh, together in meetings you know, from logistics, port, maintenance, uh, and I think those forms and function just in meetings alone has changed the way we actually operate. We're able to plan better. We're able to communicate better. We're able to understand better. We're able to execute our mission better. Um, but besides that, I mean, the, some of the integration process projects we've been doing, uh, have been awesome. We combined our flight, uh, flight service center with DMS called a DMX, moved it closer to the flight line, brought all those high hit parts that, uh, maintainers would love to have that used to be about a quarter, quarter to a third of a mile away. Now it's at the point of need, you know, so we're starting to see our order response time, uh, reduce, 
Uh, we've combined our LRS uh, supply function with some of our receiving uh, with TMO, our traffic management functions, to see what we can do a little bit better. Uh, we're in the midst of uh, combining all our command and control entities from our fuel service center, our maintenance operations control, and our, our air travel operations center into a mission generation operations center. Uh, so we're excited to see what uh, that's going to glean of how well we can launch recover airplanes on timelines. Uh, those are just a few of, of many different integration products we've done to try to create that culture uh, and that form and function that's going to outlast personalities, right? Because you ask the question, how is this going to survive? Uh, it's about how we are we are uh, doing integration and how we're designing how we operate that's going to make this thing run. It's not because Barry Flax, you know, done this, right? I just happen to have the opportunity to be here when we did the test. Uh, but it's how the airmen have put together the integration projects and how we're executing our mission is going to make this thing last longer than, than it's going to survive me. I can, I guarantee you. That's amazing. Does that, does that answer your question? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's I mean, it's a long answer. No, no. I've got so many things to think about. I got to uh, restructure them. No, uh, you, you mentioned crawl, walk, run, and I was really excited to hear what you meant by that because, yeah. uh, as once again, you know, speaking on behalf of, of junior enlisted folks, when I was given a job, I kind of just did it. And that was kind of like, that was kind of, uh, the limit of my understanding of the scope of how maintenance gets conducted. Right. And at LOA, uh, in 2021, I got to hear my own, uh, my own FGS commander brief about the FGS construct. Yeah. And he put a lot of things in context for, uh, kind of along the lines of what you're talking with the, uh, the mission generation, the meeting for that yeah. in, instead of the production meeting, right. Which, uh, a cynical person would look at that and say like, oh, it's the, it's the same time slot as a production meeting, yeah. same room. Yeah. Uh, but the, the inclusion of people that weren't otherwise in it and creating a kind of one team approach is, uh, really good. I, I had the opportunity to go to, uh, MIT and do the, the phantom fellowship there, the AI accelerator, which is really cool. Uh, and one of the biggest takeaways I have, which is funny because it's a very small thing was that, uh, we got briefed by like a Lincoln lab scientist. And he mentioned that the MIT magic was getting a bunch of people with a common goal and they're, they're motivated and driven and just putting them in a room together yeah. and not necessarily having any expectations about what comes out of it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what you're speaking to where you say, uh, let's bring these people into the meeting and then we're going to have downstream, you'll have new ideas, yeah. new integrations pop up. Yep. That's amazing. Are, are any of those uh, integrations, those projects that you're talking about, where are those kind of created by your your NCO, senior NCO? Or, uh... Yeah, you know, yes. And to answer your question, it's important that we have buy-in at certain levels. And it's important we have input from certain levels because if you don't have that, you're it's going to be like, well, this is a top-down driven thing. And are, are people truly bought in? Um, now, again, I, I want to reiterate how awesome the team is here. Yeah, we've got, I, I, I've said it once, I'm going to say it again because I'm super proud of them. The squadron commanders that we have here are awesome. The the chief mass sergeants we have in this group are second to none. Uh, the senior NCO corps that we've got are awesome. But when you go out and about and you're driving on the flight line or walking in through our air freight terminal and you look at the young airmen, um, they're moving with purpose. Uh, they, they've, got, they've got that steely-eyed look, which is pretty cool, right? Because they know that they're serving a higher purpose. Um, so listening to them, in, in, in acting on their ideas is how you win. Uh, so suffice it to say, we've had all tiers of airmen come up with certain ideas, uh, how we've integrated across this group. 
uh, because if we do top down, yeah, sometimes that's not going to sell, right? Uh, so we, we have taken a lot of uh, opportunities to get feedback from Aram and, and acted on their ideas of how we can do things a little bit different and better uh, to get after mission generation here in the new form and function that we're creating. Uh, and I think that's one of the key reasons that we we are doing so well is because we have buy-in from from uh, all the levels. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm kind of like a proud dad when you when you think about about this and, and looking at how this this group has come together uh, and what they've done over the last year plus and really up the previous year to that when we're starting all the staffing based on the request to, to do this test uh, it's been uh, it's been awe-inspiring so it's pretty darn cool that's awesome yeah yeah um half of our team is with the theory of constraints which is generally targeted leadership um and it is kind of i mean it's it's talking about process change in in big ways right so it usually is kind of top heavy and then the kind of airmanite ideation side is kind of from the bottom up where we find that a lot of times an airman who is say walking too far to get apart routinely yeah and he's like well you know they could just put it in this dms right here yeah. uh, they their feedback is very very good and it's often higher leverage where it's a cheaper fix for a greater proportionally yeah. thing but there's limits it's like an optimization yeah. versus yep. um so that's awesome to hear and uh you know we talked earlier about the metrics that support or don't support this i wish there was some way to capture uh the kind of five or ten year effects for the people that were a part of this experiment because you wonder yeah you know you know fortunately or unfortunately you know that you know we get a two-year time slot to, to get after this and uh you know we'll see what the end result will be obviously we've got to brief our mobility command next spring and, and see if there's a final decision on if we want to keep this construct or go back the way it was or you know potentially if we think we need to test some more maybe we'll ask for another year um we'll, we'll see how that whole thing goes uh, but i'm fairly confident uh in what we've seen thus far and kind of what we uh, have put in place over the next 10 months um, is going to glean some very, very positive data. Now, what, whether we get the, the, the thumbs up or not, we'll see. Um, but uh, we're, we're excited with what the future potentially holds with this construct. Yeah. And even, even if we don't get the nod, uh, you know, to, to become a mission generation group after the test, we're learning some things that we could still push throughout the Air Force to make things a little bit better uh, as it relates to how, you know, maintenance groups and logistics can integrate, whether they're in the same group or not. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to kind of go with that. And that kind of speaks to the down the road thing, because you have your uh, really probably from your NCO tier up and even your M and get to witness. Um, but then also kind of the lieutenant level and captain level. They're seeing this play out right in front of them. Absolutely. Um, what what is the kind of uh, applicability of the MGG? Is that the other four uh, big mobility hotspots that you mentioned, or is that also broader Air Force for anywhere that yeah, deploys cargo? So you're looking to see if this gets accepted, what do we do in the future? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I do know that Air Mobility Command is looking at five other bases uh, that potentially could do this uh, once, you know, the decision is made, if this is something the, the you know, General Minahan wants to continue to pursue. Um, my guess is, um, you know, it may, may not be all strat aerial port bases. Uh, we'll see what the Air Mobility Command wants to do. Uh, but I do know that they're looking at five different bases across the command um, to uh, to take a look at this organizational construct. Uh, and what our goal is, uh, and I, I've told General Sanford this, is uh, our goal is to have a playbook ready 
hand it to whatever wing that wants it, right? Or whatever wing is going to be doing this and say, this is how Dover did it. And this is how we think you can implement this organizational construct from form and function process uh, that will, will enable better, cleaner mission generation uh, at your base. Uh, so we owe that to the command. And uh, so our goal is to have that uh, published probably not long after the new year um, to, to have it staffed up to AMC to take a look at. That's awesome. So uh, listeners of the show will recognize that I've talked about the complexity and what it means to say, say scale to the enterprise, something that we, we use a lot in our language because yeah. that's kind of our, our goal is to bring things up to the appropriate level that they can, you know, as widely used as possible if it's convenient, if it works. Um, so that's, that's good to hear that even if uh, scaling the MGG construct maybe only formally and everything that it entails has kind of a ceiling for what that means. Not that it's a small ceiling. Uh, yeah. Mind you, that'd still be like a fortune 500 company if those few bases <laughs> were put together and evaluated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the, the lessons learned as far as, you know, working with, with, uh, the LRS and the, the maintenance units and the back shop units all together. Yeah. That's something that can be spread kind of almost everywhere you can imagine. Really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can do it in air combat command. I mean, it, it can go across the air force, but we're starting, starting to get an air mobility command. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what the decision is at the end of the test. Uh, again, I've got my fingers crossed, but, uh, and I, I'm seeing the goodness of what the airmen here at Dover have been doing. Um, very proud. And, and just, I'm really, I'm saying it again, I'm awe inspired with, with what our airmen have taken on over the last two years. Uh, from normal mission stuff, you know, moving cargo, launching airplanes, but now also doing a, a full, full integration test uh, on behalf of their mobility command has been been awesome. Uh, so it's it's been cool. We'll we'll see what the future holds. Uh, I'm, but I'm I'm I've got high high confidence that we're we're going to show uh, so show goodness whether this organization or construct change or not. We're still showing there's goodness with how we've integrated here at Dover. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I want to take a, a small left turn. Absolutely. I did some, uh, uh, speaking of pulling on the thread of organizational change or, or how structures affect kind of what actually happens at the kind of the ground level. Um, I did some research on you, sir, and I know that you worked at a half A3 in agile combat support as a younger, <laughs> as a younger officer. And that was the only, uh, I may be wrong, but that was the only time that you worked in kind of the A3 sphere. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair to say, I, I, you know, but I've been in air mobility command most of my career and worked for many uh, a mobility pilot too. So, and, and obviously an AMC, A3 and A4 tighter in some ways. Yeah. Specifically on the ops maintenance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, what was it like uh, as a younger officer? working in A3 on agile combat support. You have a very unique time, right? So you're, you're taking me back 13 years. Thank you. I feel a little younger. Um, yeah, so graduated from Air Command, Command Staff College, went to the Air Staff, uh, and uh, had an opportunity to work on A3. I worked with a lot of rated guys, obviously, uh, from a wide swath across the, the Air Force, too. We had you know fighter pilot, bomber pilots, we had C-130 guys. Pretty interesting. And it was, and it was at a time that we're trying to incorporate in, in, in really spread across the air force, the, the thought of irregular warfare, uh, and how do we frame that mission set, but also not forsake the agile combat support pieces of that. Right. Uh, so air advisor Academy, uh, was something that we, I'm, I'm proud to say that we developed during that time because at, at that, 
particular time in our in our history, uh, we had a lot going on with their advisor missions, whether it be it in Iraq or Afghanistan. Uh, so very uh, very interesting time, um, but it was a lot of fun working with all those guys. Uh, it was it was pretty cool to be the only non-rated guy on that staff. Uh, more often than not, it was kind of neat whether uh, whether they they thought they had to listen to me or not, but they would more often than not listen to me on certain things, specifically when it came to agile combat support, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, their staff was awesome. It was it was a great experience. A um, lot of lot of um, a lot of uh, good memories from my time there, and uh, I love working with rated officers. Uh, I absolutely do. And uh, uh, but they do they do like to look at a logistician, and they do like to, to ask questions, uh, and they do like to listen uh, sometimes uh, to to what we have to say. Well, most times, I would say uh, when it comes to agile combat support, logistics, mission generation, those kinds of things. So. Yeah, you took me back a few minutes. I've got, <laughs> I've got stories, um, some of which I probably can't say on this channel. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a blast. It was good. It was a good time to work in uh, in the A three. That's awesome. Yeah. From my my experience, uh, rated officers because they are uh, you know domain experts. Yeah. They have a respect for expertise, absolutely, um, which is nice. So you know, yeah, with one one LRO on the staff, yeah. they probably look to you for all sorts of questions that maybe you couldn't even answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll go back to I was deployed for a year during that time too. I went to LED, then I was in the Air Mobility Division at the CAOC, and. You know, I was the, I had 21 aerial port and LROs working for me. We did all the intrathedral airlift stuff, but we were working for all the rated guys. And uh, it was awesome to to be a part of that mission set, you know, moving, you know, cargo and people throughout CENTCOM. Uh, but more often than not, they would call the port guys on the staff or they called the LROs saying, hey, what can we do? And we would give them answers like, sounds good. Let's go. Right. Let me fast forward to now. Uh, I've had two wonderful wing commanders here at Dover, uh, and uh, one just left. We just gained another one. And uh, more often than not, they look at the mission generation group for answers because there's always a logistics question. There's always a question about sustainment. There's always a question about airplane health. There's always a question about cargo movement and how, how are we working and integrating with, uh, with the U.S. Transportation Commander or how are we working with the Joint Munitions Command on moving you know, lethal aid to Ukraine. They look at our group and they look at the logistician because we're the ones who get the answers. Um, so hundred uh, percent agree with your thought. And it's, it's, it's been uh, awesome to work with a whole bunch of great uh, Americans who are having to be rated officers. I've, I've had a great time in doing that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing me back. I feel. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, I didn't, I didn't actually think about that, but at the, from the leadership perspective, you probably have a lot more, I, I don't want to say say as if you didn't have say before, but combining both the logistics and the maintenance yeah. you have, a, especially in, in air mobility command, <laughs> you've got a, that's a, you got a lot of stake. We'll say. Yeah, I mean, when you think about air mobility command, I mean, what are we here to do? I mean, General Minahan has been, been very forthright with our mission set. When you're thinking about into PACOM, look at mobility guardian, what we just did. You know, our job is to explode in the theater, is to move force and to maneuver force. And uh, it's logisticians that help plan that, you know, along with our rated officers uh, to get after how do we move uh, large swaths of cargo and large swaths of forces, uh, you know. And, and then when you look at what we're trying to do in the Indo-Pacific, uh, a lot of things we can't talk about because there's there's classification issues. But, um, yeah, our job is to ensure that we, uh, we take a, a look at the plan. Uh, and, and give our true assessment of how we can do that plan, and then uh, and to meet commander's intent. And, and General Minahan's intent is to explode into theater if and when that 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 calls. Not 
That's on the backs of maintainers and loggies. And our awesome air crew. We got some amazing air crew in Air Mobility Command. One team, one fight. Absolutely. Sir. Oh, yeah. One last question. All right. What is the best part about being in the Air Force? Airmen, without doubt. You know, I you know, I just got done with a lunch with the uh, other group commanders and the vice commander. We meet monthly and we go for a lunch. And uh, a few of those folks are, um, you know, getting ready to leave the Air Force. They're getting ready to retire after a number of great years. And, you know, we're just talking. And, uh, you know, I when I look back at my time in the 25 years of this Air Force, yeah, I think about the mission a little bit, but I think about the people a hell of a lot more. And it's just the airmen that you come in contact with. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier today or earlier in our conversation, you just go out and walk around the flight line. You go out in the, into the air freight terminal or you go into the POL yard or you go into the warehouse and you see these young kids, 18, 19 years old, uh, and they've got goals and aspirations. And uh, to see them operating with a sense of purpose and a sense of pride I mean, it's pretty awe-inspiring to be a, be their teammate. And uh, put simply, the best part of the Air Force to me is how awesome our airmen are. I mean, I absolutely love them. And uh, yeah, so sorry I'm getting a little teary-eyed just thinking about them. But uh, it's uh, I absolutely love every airman in this group. Um, they move heaven and earth to, to ensure that others have hope across the globe. And uh, it's pretty cool to be a part of their team. Colonel Flack, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. It's awesome to see you, man. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to the Tesseract Podcast. This show is how I started to learn about enterprise-level strategy and the innovation ecosystem within the Air Force, and I hope we passed along some learning to you with this episode. If you'd like to engage with our team, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseract.af.mil.